So youth across uh, Pennsylvania are concerned about our public schools and what is happening with, um, be it Pittsburgh Public Schools or what's happening in Philadelphia. And um, under President-elect Biden's new Secretary of Education, whomever that might be, how do you envision PA schools changing and um, how can you sort of um, support students during this process where there's a lot of really terrified high school students about everything that's happened with education in the past four years? Well, I think first and foremost, there'll be a, a renewed commitment to or a return to an earlier commitment to public education. Um, I think the last couple of years under Secretary DeVos, it was really a, uh, a, re a really jarring ideological lurch to the right uh, where public education became uh, almost secondary. I recall uh, sitting with Secretary DeVos in the confirmation process when she came to my office and and I was troubled at that time about her, her um, emphasis on and her focus on um, private education. And um, at the time, I, I had you know tried to give her a sense of my, you know, some of our Pennsylvania history that, you know, public education largely was created in Pennsylvania in the 18, 1830s, early 1830s, and they tried to repeal the, the. Uh, the Schools Act uh, early uh, in, in the second or third year of, a, of its implementation. So we've had battles on public education going back to the, the 18, 1830s or 40s, but, um, but we're a, a state that, is, that has a real deep, uh, profound commitment to public education. I had a reminder of that and say that you'll be the Secretary of, of Education, not the Secretary of Private Education. But, Look, she had a different point of view and she went in the other direction. So I think just a return to the focus on public education will be something that um, Joe Biden and his team uh, will bring to the education debates. I also think a, a commitment to investments in education that are meaningful and are not limited just to the, the investment in, in the Department of Education or or uh, schools and, and uh, the traditional um, elements of education, we need to make sure that there's quality, affordable childcare. That's gonna be an important uh, element to developing uh, the kind of workforce that we wanna have and the kind of investments we need to make in our, in our children. Uh, I don't care how great the teacher is in a, in a um, elementary school or a, or beyond, if that if we don't invest in the child from day one to make sure that their childcare for their family is affordable and is of a high quality, to make sure that that child has enough enough to eat, to make sure that child has a quality, affordable healthcare that benefits them in the dawn of their life, all of that I think is a predicate, and I can talk about it more, but I won't. That's a predicate to a quality education. Um, obviously, we have to support elementary, secondary, and higher education. And I think um, uh, President-elect Biden and, and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris will have that, will bring not just that commitment, but that passion to education and to public education that's been, uh, that's been lacking, but also see it as part of a, a continuum of things we have to do to make sure that every child in America has an opportunity uh, to get the, the education they deserve and to get 
the, uh, the smart and healthy start in life that will allow them to learn and grow and achieve and be part of a, uh, a workforce and part of our economy down the road. Absolutely. And it was interesting, too, because there were so many student groups in Pennsylvania, but also nationally, that have signed on to different uh, petitions to be involved in President-elect Biden's um, transition team to pick the new Secretary of, of Education. And so what advice do you have for those students who want to get involved and really want to help advocate for um, their voice with this transition process? I mean, we know that it's it's so difficult to you know, to get involved in those, those processes. And it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big thing, but what advice might you have for those students? Well, in, in some ways it's very simple and I don't want to make it too simplistic to say, keep doing what you have been doing because <laughs> young people have, have figured out a way over time to not just be involved, but to have a, a direct impact on public policy, whether it's in uh, the field of education or otherwise because of their activism, because of their passion, because of their, their mastery of social media and other, um, or other tools or other pathways to connect and to convey information and to communicate. Um, so a, a lot of what young people were doing leading up to and long before the, uh, the campaign, but what they were doing uh, for years leading up to this campaign, the activism and uh, obviously it goes back further than 2017, but there was a lot of intensity uh, in 2017, 18, 19, and into 2020. Um, so I would say just ma maintain that level of intensity in your, in your engagement, your activism, but also obviously to, to direct that to the transition um, team, uh, as well as uh, public officials, I'm sure uh, that would include me and, and other public officials, because um, the, the transition process is, I think, critical to setting a strong foundation for the administration on a whole range of subject areas. But even after the transition, after the even after confirmation of a cabinet official or, or sub-cabinet official, uh, that engagement has to continue, because it's one thing to get the right person you think uh, you believe would serve the, the, uh, the point of view or the perspective that you support, but then you have to hold them accountable and hold that department accountable, just like you hold elected public officials accountable. So I think most young people know um, how, to, how to connect and how to stay, uh, how to stay engaged, but I, I think th that's really gonna be the key going forward is to continue that kind of direct advocacy and that kind of direct uh, connection to uh, institutions, whether it's the transition team or whether it's Congress or whether it's uh, the administration overall. Yeah, it was so great how many young people came out to support Biden um, and really get involved in, in this election. There was a, an intensity to it. And I have not seen the final um, national numbers, but there's no question that, that that participation level and the intensity of it was uh, significantly more pronounced than it was uh, just four years ago. So, and, and I could see it in my own experience uh, the last couple of years um, in um, the 2017 and 2019 elections, which are kind of odd numbered years and, and, and uh, years when you're not voting for senator or governor or president, 
but you're voting for county officials and local officials. I also saw it manifest in my re-election in 2018 and Governor Wolf's race and a lot of congressional races where we made history with the election of women in Pennsylvania. More women elected in one night in 2018 to the United States Congress from Pennsylvania than almost cumulatively in the history of the state. So that a lot of that was driven by the, the, uh, the 2018 results in 17 and 19 were driven by the participation of young people. So um, I fully expected it to be uh, at that intensity level for 2020 and it was. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And there's one last um, question that um, has been on the minds of a lot of young people across Pennsylvania. Um, and, and this really isn't a surprise to me. It's about the confirmation of, of Judge Barrett. And um, there's a couple young people that wrote in that said they're scared, that they feel hopeless. And so um, what can young people in Pennsylvania do to really make sure that their rights are protected? Um, you know, they ask, how can we support your yeah. office in, in, in that fight? Well, I think there's a there's a short term uh, and a long term. Obviously, the, the long term is stay engaged, stay involved, um, literally for the rest of your life. <laughs> Making that commitment to do that um, is very important because the impact of one justice on a Supreme Court or the impact of two or three justices on the Supreme Court can be can just be seismic. It's hard to sometimes hard to quantify. Uh, the impact. Um, we know that um, the Judge Barrett and or now Justice Barrett and um, the justices that uh, were nominated and confirmed by the president um, are just uh, are, are nominees who became justices from a list, a list of the um, made up by the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation, two extreme right-wing organizations. That alone, I think, was disqualifying, in my judgment. Um, but I think we should we should try to um, uh, learn some lessons from that, which is that those three nominations, just those three, not to mention uh, other appointments by Republican presidents, but just those three nominations by President Trump in one term, uh, show you not just the the impact one president can have but also the impact that, that organizing and activism can have over time. The, those organizations like the Federalist Society and groups like it on the right, they were, they were putting their markers down and developing the foundation for the political success they had. I don't think it was success for the country. I think it's gonna set us back, but that started decades ago. That did, did just start in 2000 or 2016. That started way back in the, gosh, the 1960s or 1970s, all the way through, where they made it as one of their objectives to, to reinvent or, or refashion or, or, uh, uh, or completely transform the uh, federal courts, including, most importantly, the Supreme Court. So if the right wing is going to do that over time, then, then our side of the argument has to be committed to the long the long haul. That means you can't just vote for president, you've got to vote for every office. You can't just organize in a in 2020, we got to organize in 2021. People say, well, there's not, not much going on in 2021. It's a bunch of local races. It's like, yeah, that's when we got to organize. 
we got to register voters in in those odd numbered years. So it's almost like you have to be a permanent or commit yourself to permanent advocacy because uh, that's what the right did in large measure. Uh, when they elected Ronald Reagan, who up until Donald Trump was probably the most far right president we had had up to that point in time, or at least one of the most far right presidents, uh, President Trump, I think even went further to the right with all of the, all of the attendant uh, insults that he brought with it. But Ronald Reagan wasn't uh, elected in 1980 because the country woke up and decided to vote for him. That was a building process by the right. Uh, they started in the, in the 50s and couldn't elect anybody. They tried to run Barry Goldwater in 1964. He lost in, a, in what is still maybe the greatest landslide ever. They couldn't elect the kind of right-wing Republican until 1980. And uh, the, the Reagan election showed that all those decades of activism. So my point is that we've got to do the same. And, and the good news is uh, young people have more decades to contribute to that than I do. <laughs> They're, young people are gonna, be, are gonna be active for decades and you can have an impact. Um, so we, we hope that um, young people just don't remain active while in college and right after they leave college and in their, in their 20s. We need you to be activists in your 30s and in your 40s and in your 50s. And it does get more difficult because you have other obligations. You have a job and a career and you have sometimes a family and you've got other things that pull at your time that uh, may not be pulling at, at your time um, when you're an undergraduate or soon thereafter, but remaining um, committed over the, not just over the years, but over the decades is a lot to think about right now, but it requires that kind of long-term long commitment. Mm -hmm. And I know speaking from, um not just myself, but a lot of young people across Pennsylvania. I mean, we've always supported you and everything that you do. So thank you for being so active with the with the um, presidential race. And um, I guess people want to know where to purchase the big map that you had on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and um, I think it was, wasn't it just a printout? Was it a big printout or did you yeah. buy that somewhere? I have it right here. Oh, yay. I'll just pull it up here. It's not, it's not on the easel, but this is, if you notice the colors on it, they're, they're from the Department of State's website. So what we do is we just took the Department of State's website and, and enlarged it into a, and put it on heavy stock paper. But, but when, you're, when you're on the website and you wanna find out what happened in an election in a county, you just press on that county and the information comes out. This is not equipped to do that. <laughs> that's amazing. So, I feel like that's gonna be a big, um, people are gonna have that as like a Zoom background now. <laughs> Well, unlike, unlike your generation, which is so tech savvy, this was a, a non-tech savvy map, but it served a purpose. <laughs> it was amazing. Thank you so much, Senator Casey. We really appreciate it. Ashley, thank you. Thanks for your leadership. It was so nice to meet you finally, or I guess meet you in, in Zoom land. <laughs> well, and I hope, I hope you can stay in, um, in Pennsylvania as you move forward in your career. Oh yeah, What's I definitely want to. What do you think your next step is? Do you know yet? Yeah, I do want to get into politics um, Good. in some way. Um, I I had a really great mentor in um, Councilwoman Erica Strasberger. So oh, yeah. um, um, I definitely want to stay. In, I love Pennsylvania. And so um, stay here and, and um, you know, do things that will impact, especially young people in Pennsylvania.
Well, I, I would encourage anyone who wants to run to, to run for public office. Um, and uh, some don't want to do it. Some want to participate, but they can always help others run. But um, I'm grateful that um, you're willing to to run for office because we need you. Yeah, I ran for school board back in um, 20, end of 2018, early 2019. That was a very weird process. I'm glad I did it, but it was, I'm glad I know now what to expect. It was not fun, but it was interesting. Well, I heard that, that you would run. And I, I would say that anyone who runs for and serves on a school board um, is a very brave person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But you'll have, you'll have chances to, to, uh, to run again and to, to run for, for a higher office over time. I think that one of the most remarkable developments the last couple of years is the number of women, uh, not only who have run successfully in Pennsylvania for state house, state Senate, Congress, we haven't elected a, a woman of the US Senate yet. I hope we change that soon and governor and, and president. But um, what's even more, more inspiring is that the number of women who ran maybe in 2014 and 2016, but ran again in 18, or started running in 18 and ran in 18 and 20, some of whom ran and lost, some of whom ran and won. But it's the ones who keep running that, uh, that makes all the difference, because that kind of gives a foundation for, uh, for their career and for others to, to, keep, to keep seeking public office, because uh, little by little, women are are uh, really making a huge impact on the state in terms of being candidates at a higher frequency level. And that's really, um, and it's grown over time, but I've seen a real exponential growth just in the last four to six years. So we just want to keep, we just want to continue that because I know from being in one legislative body, uh, the more women you have, the better and more functional that body will be. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, um, I, I do have, uh, as a thank you for doing this, I'll, I'll ask um, your staff for the address. But um, so I play chess and I do chess in Pittsburgh oh, yeah. and things. Yeah. And so I have a chess set for you and it has your name on it. So oh, um, I'll make thanks. sure to get that sent to you. But I was going to ask if you play chess. I don't. And I, I, I probably need um, both uh, a lot of lessons and probably um, maybe a new kind of aptitude that I'm not sure I have right now. <laughs> but, you know, my wife and I just started watching about a week ago, was it? I think it was about a week ago now. Yeah, a week to 10 days ago, um, uh, The Queen's Gambit. Mm -hmm. And um, really a creative, fascinating uh, series. I, I don't, it just, because I guess it's based upon a book and I haven't, I didn't, I didn't read the book, but it's uh, really an interesting uh, interesting story. So mm -hmm. I felt like I was, when I read about your background, I was thinking that at least I had seen the right, the right mini series <laughs> of late. <laughs> I know we've gotten so many tags on social media and for a youth-based organization, um, it's not the best film to have with the same name, but right. at least we're, people are interested now. <laughs> well, if you can play chess, then you can succeed in politics. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> But Thank thanks you very so much. much. I really appreciate it. Thanks and have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye.